Welcome to Probably Science. I'm your host, one of two today. I'm Jesse Case. I'm Matt Kirshen. We got Andy's in the desert right now, I think. He's, a, he's, I doing, his yearly, from him. he's doing his yearly Burning Man thing every year. Yeah, and he's doing it at Burning Man this year, so that's where he's gone. And uh, so we've got a replacement. Well, we've got a replacement Jesse. We've got an extra Jesse. We've 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 really mm-hmm. screwed this up. We've doubled up on Jesse's in the week. We really could have done with an Andy to avoid confusions. But returning to the show, returning to the show, uh, comedian, uh, comedy writer, writer of many TV shows that you have enjoyed, and also now author Jesse Joyce. Hey man, how's it going? What's up, guys? How are you? It's nice to it's nice Good. to be back with you guys. Yeah, you, you, doing doing well, man. Hell yeah. Doing well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I grabbed you on the on the show because I saw you've got a new book out. You sent it to me uh, a day and a half ago, and I'm already a fairly hefty chunk of the way through. It's oh, a no lot way. of fun. It's really enjoyable, and for, yeah, it's great. Um, thanks. T- tell us about it. Oh, thanks. That's kind of you. Uh, I I didn't expect anybody when I sent it to him to actually read it, but uh, it's cool of you that you have. Um, it's a uh, the email you sent with it was very long too. That was weird. Oh, it's like a like a I'm worried. Yeah. I, it's, no, I mean it was like a 300-page email about why we should read the book, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then like I didn't have time for the book. <laughs> no, I mean, well, that is like I, I that was plausible, by the way. I realize you're joking. Now, oh, okay, it was, okay. Like, no, for real, like because I write for Kimmel, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. Quite often, I get back from Jimmy like, "This is hilarious," but our monologue's 20 minutes. Like, what the fuck are you th- like? How am I gonna like? I can't, I can't do this on a television show. So, because like, right. yeah, like a lot of my shit, it's uh, I'm I'm wording. Um, that I overwrite, yeah, yeah, I, I overwrite, overwrite exactly. So, but uh, thanks uh, for your. It's uh, it's called "Killing the Guys Who Killed the Guy Who Killed Lincoln," and uh, a nutty. And the the subtitle is a nutty story about Edwin Booth and Boston Corbett, and it's a comedy history book. It's it's basically like uh, tonally like drunk history, but from a guy who's been sober for 18 years is kind of the vibe. And it's the this like little known story about um, two guys on either side of John Wilkes Booth, the guy who killed Abraham Lincoln. And it's uh, Edwin Booth, who was John's way more famous brother. Like he, I need you, he was okay, like... this is the first bit that I did not realize at... I should have known this bit at least, but I did not know that he was both his... He, I, I knew he was an unsuccessful, frustrated actor. I did not know that his... Both his brother and his dad were two of the most famous actors in the, in their generation in their well, era. Well, I oh, mean, yeah. John, John got more famous after the thing. Yeah, yeah, but also <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, John became infamous after that because he wasn't it wasn't working out for him. Uh, and uh, but also, there's been a like a a, a, a Confederate rewriting of history after uh, Edwin died, where people started. Uh, having the audacity to like imply that John wasn't that shitty an actor. He was like a totally shitty actor, but his dad and brother were like <laughs> fucking were great. They were like they were the best actors in the the western world at the time. So um so then there his like little brother John um was kind of it, just an insecure guy and whatever else and and uh yeah, like so Edwin got uh became was huge and he didn't want two booths running around like because his brother kind of sucked. So they didn't want him like dicking up the family reputation. So he kind of banished him to performing in the South in the lead up to the Civil War. And that's kind of what radicalized John and how he ended up falling in with Confederate 
nefarious plots and things like that. So um, we need to keep our eye on the Baldwins. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? yeah. No, it is or like it the has... Scars Guards. Like, there's too many of them. The, we need to figure yeah. out. He he also he he's got a bit of an Eric Douglas vibe to him as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like close comparisons, but not like Tom Hanks's brother is an actor. You know, he does like right. voiceover shit. Yeah. But like, there's nobody that's close-ish because to compare how big Tom is to Edwin, but they didn't have a famous dad, so there's almost like no, and the Sheens don't yeah. work either. Because like Emilio that, that's and Charlie, why, that's why I go famous. with Eric Douglas because yeah. you got you got Kirk and oh, Michael and then right. Eric Burt. Oh yeah, I yeah. forgot about Kirk. That actually is a really good comparison. Yeah, that's actually a really good one. Yeah, so it is. But Eric Douglas, R.I.P. I don't think he was ever. Uh, you know, I don't think he ever tried to kill a president. No, but John, but uh, but their dad did. Edwin and John's dad did. Uh, he didn't. It's very. He didn't try, but he sent a death threat to President Andrew Johnson once. So um, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, the family a, tradition. You yeah, do yeah. It. Like it, it's pretty. What? Like there's a couple. Like developmentally, like while John was in utero, like it was uh, two weeks before John was born, his dad almost beat a guy to death. Like in, while his while he was his fetus was in the room. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of homicidal. Oh, right. And and then yeah, John's dad once, uh, and Edwin's dad uh, wrote a letter to Andrew Johnson threatening to kill him. Because he was refusing to pardon a couple pirates, like actual pirates that uh, that uh, uh, Junius Booth was like a fan of. Like he liked these. That's right. He I these do. Pirates were cool. <laughs> I do now remember this. This was a uh, was this before or after the pigeon uh, funeral? This a timeline. I, I'm not a hundred percent on the timeline of which crazy thing <laughs> happened in his life at which time. But yeah. But then there was that too. That he. Um, did you want me to just get into that, or do you want to like? So uh, yeah, go on there before we yeah, before we get into science stories. Let's hear some more about well, the, about a, these guys. There's a naturalism angle to this that uh, uh, in in his lifetime, uh, the passenger pigeon uh, uh, was. You know about the passenger pigeon? It's this. Uh, it's a, a bird that went extinct, like in our uh, fairly recently, like in the 1900s. Again, I only like knew the, this again from your book. In the century we lived in, and uh, it was so populous in America that it made up like 25 to 40 percent of all birds in North America. It was it was every fucking where this bird. And then people, they were so dumb that they would just sit on branches and they just kind of were slow and dimwitted and whatever. And people could just go and grab them and just or like hit them with a baseball bat and kill them. And so people just did that in the thousands because it was also like kind of a recession and people were starving in the like 1830s, 40s. And so like People just like went and just killed all of these birds, and so and Junius Booth was like a kind of rabid uh, animal rights guy, uh, which was odd in the 1800s. But uh, so he would like stage these like PETA kind of protests and stuff. And he uh, was in Louisville, pro pirate, very pro pirate. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's the most inconsistent. Very, oh yeah, he's trying yeah, to kill people yeah, it's all like the a, time. But like, like animals. a vegan, <laughs> yeah. vegan pro pirate. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like one of those like PETA terrorist kind of people, you know. So yeah, so, sure, sure. Yeah, so he shows up in Louisville after the night after they just like beat to death like hundreds of thousands of these birds, and he bought them all, all the like you know like because he was a rich famous guy, he bought all the birds from the market where they were selling the dead birds so people could eat them, and he staged a giant public funeral for them. He like made caskets and then bought a cemetery plot. And then was like weeping and crying and burying the birds and like a, a bunch of people came because he was a really famous guy to go like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> and and he was like shouting at them about killing these birds 
And they all were kind of like amused. And then he turned on them and said, because he was Hindu too, which is an insane thing to be in the 1800s in rural Maryland, right? Like where he was from. He's a British guy, <laughs> but somehow he became like a Hindu. And, and so he started yelling at them about how like uh, Jesus, uh, basically the reason he was crucified was because he was a meat eater. <laughs> and then, you know, the Christians of, of, of 19th century Louisville uh, threw him in jail. So uh, anyway, but yeah, he's a bananas dude. And that's just his dad. Like that's before we even get to like who Edwin and John were and all that shit. But yeah. So wow. and that's only one of the two characters in the book, by the way. So right. Cause the, t- the story sort of it, the book runs through the stories of two sort of concurrent. Yeah. Concurrent lives. Yeah. Intersecting lives. I see. I so, didn't know any of this about the fame related to John Wilkes Booth. It's because it's like I'm trying to think about, you know, try to think about these things like as if I was there, like as if I was a contemporary of it. It it really is. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like if um, I'm just trying to think of a think of an example here. It's yeah, it's like if Timothy McVeigh's dad was, you know, Sean Connery. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And and you'd be like, what the fuck? Sean Connery's kid Uh did a. Like that's how they're known is like that's that guy's ki- like their kid did that and that's exactly that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's what's interesting too is like what you're saying is is that now we just know the name John Wilkes Booth and like John Wilkes Booth but at the time like right after uh, he sure. killed Lincoln every the, the what people were saying was did you hear that Edwin Booth's brother killed the president or did you hear that Junius Brutus Booth's son killed the president like nobody knew who John was like so that was right. how people framed it at the time so yeah it was a bananas thing to have happened. Um but the other guy, if I can just is, I think, even more fascinating is named Boston Corbett. And he is a uh, British uh, immigrant who came over when he was nine. And then he became a hatter. And this is where science can tie back in because uh, he went uh, he became a mad hatter, which is the thing. And I can explain the science to admit, but like basically that you they made hats by ingesting, by steaming them with uh, liquid mercury. So he just got right. mercury poisoning. And that's like why everybody who made hats in the 1800s was like crazy as shit. And is, um, is kill two birds with one stone because of those pigeons? <laughs> no, I, I'm being I'm being serious. I was because I was like, I that's, know, impossi- I mean, like, that's impossible. Ben Franklin would have killed a few. I think Ben Franklin came up with that. And I think that I think it's in okay. uh, uh, the farmers, or the, the whatever, the. The poor Richard's Almanac or something. And I think that, like, right. yeah, it's entirely possible that he probably did kill a couple of those birds because they, they apparently were really dumb. So, um, but anyway, but so, uh, so he gets, he goes crazy from uh, ingesting so much uh, mercury nitrate that he then uh, becomes like a homeless guy and then he, like, finds Jesus and becomes like a street preacher and just shouts at people on the street. And then one night he's uh, on the street. And he gets propositioned by a couple prostitutes and he gets really horny and he gets really mad about it. And he's like a devout Christian. And so he goes back to his apartment and he reads that chapter in the Bible in Matthew about how if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Or if your hand is uh, causing you to stray from God, cut it off. And so he uh, uh, cuts his balls off with a pair of scissors. He castrated himself. (laughs) And then he joins the Union Army. And then he becomes like a super soldier in the Union Army. And then Lincoln is assassinated, and he's the first guy to volunteer, and he chases John Wilkes Booth for 12 days to a barn, and he's the guy who shoots John Wilkes Booth in the head and kills him and becomes the famous guy. <laughs> so, it's, it's, <laughs> so he, it's funny that, like, uh, 
the the guy with no balls had more balls than anyone <laughs> than anybody <laughs> like, in the Civil War for sure. Right, yeah, this, right. This ballless yeah. guy, yeah. the most courageous. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One time, his entire unit surrendered except for him, and he continued to fight off sixty like so or Confederate guerrillas by himself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, huge balls in that guy. Yeah, He's huge like, balls. actually, I, I, I have a funny story about that. Actually, yeah, I, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, they're they're in the the bin of a guest house. Yeah, yeah. I was renting. You also sort of describe him as having Forrest gumped his way through the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, because he was—he's sort of like adjacent to these huge acts of history. Yeah, and you would never know, like you, we would never know who he was, like if it were not for the what happened later. But yeah, like during the Civil War, he was just kind of like close to, like he. <laughs> I was I was at Gettysville. Well, it was Gettysville. He was, he was like it was ten miles to... away, north of Gettysburg. They had a <laughs> right. they had people stationed north of Gettysburg just in case the South had won that, so that they could like so that they wouldn't keep pressing further north, right? So he was just right. like waiting, but he missed out on Gettysburg, and he uh, was uh, he he was there for the New York draft riots, which is the plot of uh, of uh, 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 Gangs of New York, you know the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie, you know. So he was there to defend the mayor's office, but nobody tried to kill the mayor. They were all killing each other in the streets. But so he was like around a bunch of stuff that is, you know, historically important during the Civil War. But it wasn't until he volunteered to be on the manhunt for Lincoln's assassin that suddenly then, because he's the guy who killed him, which, by the way, he wasn't supposed to do. Like he uh, uh, the orders were to, like, bring John back alive because it was like a big uh, conspiracy, like. They were supposed to kill like six guys that night. It like John is the only one who succeeded, right? Like he recruited a bunch of other like you know southern dipshits to go try uh, kill the vice president and kill the secretary of war and kill like secretary of state. They were supposed to kill all of them at the same night, and everybody failed except John. And so they needed to know how many more people were involved in this plot. So they needed John alive. So they wanted to arrest him. But God, who talked to Boston Corbett all the time, told him sure. to kill John Wilkes Booth. So he shot him in the head. And then they get back, they like arrest him and they're going to court martial him and they bring him back to D.C. for his big court martial. But they arrive and it's like a Super Bowl parade. He's like a huge hero because he's the guy who killed the guy who killed Lincoln. So suddenly overnight he becomes this enormous celebrity. Like when Edwin's career is now ruined because his brother killed the president, suddenly like Boston fills that void and becomes like the most famous guy in America. And he starts like touring around, uh, like reenacting how he killed John Wilkes Booth in theaters and shit like that. (laughs) And it's it's amazing. It'd be like if Dog the Bounty Hunter killed Bin Laden. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like instead of like a, an anonymous guy, it was just it'd be like, oh, man, that guy's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I guess. this guy is a very, has a very colorful backstory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And and like he throughout his life, he kept getting mercury more and more mercury poisoning, and it made him crazier and crazier. And um, it, it has like kind of. A lot of uh, QAnon parallels because sure. in the aftermath of the Lincoln assassination, the South kind of started like rewriting the the story, and this conspiracy theory bubbled up that that John wasn't really dead; that Boston killed the wrong guy, and Boston like hated that, and he'd pull guns on anybody who said that that he didn't really that he didn't kill John Wilkes Booth. But A then booth eventually truther? he started to believe it that conspiracy theory. And and somebody sent him because <laughs> he was because he was bunkers because exactly because he was so crazy and so somebody sent him a death threat <laughs> that was signed J W Booth or whatever and he uh, believed it and just fled and just took off running and uh, th- this mind you this is the guy who like 
he's only famous because he killed John Wilkes Booth. And John yeah, Wilkes Booth wrote right. him a letter that he's going to come get him because he killed him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's so yeah. absurd. And so he flees to Kansas and just digs a giant hole in the ground and moves into the hole and just lived there for <laughs> like 12 years with like guns pointed at the opening to the hole, waiting for John Wilkes Booth to show up. So, uh, yeah. And then he gets put in an insane asylum and then he escapes from there. And it's a crazy story. So anyway, that's that. So, so, so where can I listen to <laughs> if, if you want to, if you want to hear the expanded version of that, or read the expanded version of that story, and I, like I said, I'm a fairly hefty chunk of the way through it, and I'm very so you're much in enjoying this it. asylum because you cut your balls off. Nope. Yeah. No. No. I, no, no, no. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. That happened like way before things got interesting. Yeah. yeah. No. No. I, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Oh, that's the that's the prologue to my journey. <laughs> no, I did that when I was way less crazy. <laughs> so, I'm much crazier now. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, since then, I, I killed the guy who killed the president. Sure you did. And then he sent me a letter. I live in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss when he was just missing his balls. That was great. Yeah, and he, like, yeah, he, like, was convinced that the entire Booth family, including Edwin, were, like, out to try to kill him. Like, it was a, he's a bananas man. Um, Wasn't but, one of them at the theater as well? One of the people that was supposed, like, Seward or someone, uh, I, I mean, you know way more about this than me, but, but. Would all of those plots worked if everyone else didn't fuck it up? Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. Thought, if John I thought didn't one of these... a bunch of dumb assholes because he was a dumb asshole too, and just lucked sure. out because the circumstances were so easy to kill the president at the time because they didn't have Secret Service or anything like that. That like, sure, you could just like he he worked in the theater, he could get in there, like. But yeah, but everybody else was just a doofus and just fucked up there. The one guy fucked it up so badly. He, uh, Lewis Powell, he uh, went in to stab Secretary of Stewart, or C, uh, 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 Stewart, Seward, who was the Secretary of State, and uh, William Seward. And he went to his house and, like, stabbed everybody in the house except Seward because he just – Seward was lying in bed, right? He, he had had a carriage accident recently. And so he was, like, had, like, a neck brace and was, like, all fucked up and just, like, lying there. And he just kept stabbing at the sheets but missing him. And he stabbed, like, seven other people in the house and then left. Like, well, job well done. <laughs> so, and he fucked, just, just completely fucked it up. So, and then wow. one guy got too drunk to kill the vice president. Like, they all messed it up. So, uh, except John. So, anyway. It's a very, uh, getting too drunk to kill the vice president is a very January 6th vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, like, what happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> like hang yeah. Mike. Nah, I'm, I'm kind of hammered. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. It was the same level of doofus. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. right. Pure, like you're uh, an incompetent coup is is very terrifying yeah. yet funny. Just outraged hoopla um, heads with no qualifications. Yeah, so sure. Um, um, anyway, Jesse, one thing we we like to ask. Well, well first of all, just real quick, just, wait, just if I don't mind, uh, 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 Matt no, asked no. where you can listen to it or get That's it. That's what I was going to get into. Oh, yeah, thank is you. where we can where we can find this. So it's an exclusive on this service called Script, which is great. S C R I B D, which is positing itself to be like the Netflix of books, right? So. You go on there, you subscribe, and then you have like unlimited access to their enormous volume of books and ebooks and uh, audiobooks and uh, and uh, magazines, all kinds of stuff. And so it's uh, you you just go on there, and you could basically listen to it for free because you can get two free months uh, with uh, if you just type in uh, try dot script s c r i b d try dot script dot com slash jesse joyce my name. And then you get 60 free days to subscribe to the service. 
and you can listen to or read the audio or the ebook uh, just completely for free. So that's how you that's how you get this book. So that that's awesome. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes Thank as well. You. Yes, so absolutely. Go so everybody, directly. Yes, all that. the listeners, click on that and um, the, you know, there, there give is it a, a read story. or give it a listen feels vaguely appropriate just because um, a couple of people uh, I know I know Justin Broad sent this story and I know Justin Avell was uh, tweeted it at, at us uh, but um, Live Worm found an Australian woman's brain in world first discovery yeah I saw that. Uh, uh, they've just discovered Australian women or what's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... they've just found out. <laughs> those are those are it turns out they're ladies <laughs> have you seen that <laughs> you've been on yeah. there hey hey that thing that we put found a, a, a worm in the brain of is uh is apparently a woman <laughs> it's a human woe man <laughs> okay uh if there was ever going to be a disgusting creature that like is able to climb into somebody's ear, it would be in australia like australia has yeah. just the worst yeah. creatures so yeah uh the two listeners who sent this in are both australian and one of them said like i fully appreciate this won't help with australia's dangerous at dangerous animals reputation but (laughs) yeah uh, Yeah, just weird prehistoric landscape man yeah everything's poisonous yeah it's great yeah this was in in canberra according to this guardian article there's a bbc article as well that uh one of them sent in but um uh hospital infectious disease uh physician dr sanjay uh senayake uh was having a regu- fairly regular day until a neurosurgeon called him and said, oh my God, you won't believe what I just found in this lady's brain. It's alive and it's wriggling. Whoa. So the neurosurgeon, Dr. Hari uh, Priyabandi, had pulled an eight centimeter, eight centimeter long. That's pretty, that's relatively sizable. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah. We're, we're sort of pushing like, like two and a half to three inches for our imperial measurement friends. What is your, so Matt, let me ask you this. What is your accepted length of roundworm in the brain? That would not be shocking. Where you're like, I don't give a shit. Is it it's like almost, a five centimeter? <laughs> or like, because you're like, that's that's pretty big. You know what? It's it's almost like, I think that's almost the most disturbing length. Because I think if it was very short, it would be a little bit less disturbing. Yeah. And if it was incredibly long, you kind of go like, oh, okay, well, it's more worm than brain now. Yeah, I see that. I get that. Yep, it's mainly worm in there. Because, I mean, if it was tiny enough, I think you would maybe just shrug and go like, well, I guess they're just in our brains, you know? Like, Because, you know, like there's like those mites that live on your eyelashes or whatever? Like, like you have yeah. you have creatures on you, you know? They're just eight so microscopic. Eight. And so it's like if it was a teeny tiny worm, I think I would just accept that, like, oh, I guess we might have just worms in our brains, you know? Yeah, I, maybe this just helps my brain go. Yeah, yeah, eight. exactly. See, to me, eight centimeters is just long enough where you can't tell yourself it was just in your ear. You know what I mean? Like, if it, like it's just long enough where it keeps coming out like a magic scarf. And you're like, that's, prob- that's probably in my brain. Like, that was for sure in my brain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm. It's a great visual. Uh, that's fun. We, uh, um, we do this show. There's a show I work on. I, I've Well, not anymore because I'm on strike. But... Um, it's called Prank Panel on ABC, and uh, it's uh, like it's like Shark Tank, but they but regular people come in oh, and they yeah. pitch, pitch pranks to Eric Andre and Johnny Knoxville and Gabrielle Sidibe, and um, and oh, then yeah, yeah. they decide if they're going to do the prank or not. And like I'm one of the writers, so I like work on like fixing the pranks and making them funny or whatever. But there's one that we that just came out that we did where this woman whose mom is a hypochondriac, she like wanted to prank her mom because she's a hypochondriac, and they brought her to the doctor. And there was a pre-recorded video where they did an ultrasound on her knee, and there was this insane, living, wriggling worm 
like inner knee that she can <laughs> see on the video. It's really pretty great. So it's a kind of a similar premise that uh, ironically it came out at the same time. Wow. Uh, um, so very this funny. that is very funny. This actual so this actual real uh, worm in a real human uh, <laughs> is a it's a 64 year old woman from southeastern New South Wales. She was first admitted to her local hospital in January of 2021. That's a while ago after suffering three weeks of abdominal pain and diarrhea, followed by a constant dry cough, fever, and night sweats. Okay, those are also the COVID symptoms, so you may have a brain worm, it's everyone. It's probably a brain right worm. Hmm. Probably a brain worm, almost certainly. Yep. Um, so by 2022, so this is a while, her symptoms also included forgetfulness and depression, prompting a referral to Canberra Hospital. An MRI of her brain revealed abnormalities requiring surgery. But... The surgeons, quote, didn't, certainly didn't go in there thinking they would find a wriggling worm. Uh, they regularly deal with infections in the brain, but this is a once-in-a-career finding. No one was expecting to find that. So wait a uh, minute. They didn't find it till they literally, like, opened her head, and then they yeah, saw it? Yeah, and they're like... Whoa. That's Yeah, amazing. and if I remember the the joke correctly, I think, you don't you go in there with, like, an apple and a Mars bar and a hammer? Is that the... <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean? I, I don't know the joke. Oh god, uh, I, uh, I, I believe if I remember rightly, it involves it involves an anal worm, uh, and yeah, the way you get rid of it is an apple and a Mars bar and a hammer, and you put the apple and the Mars bar both there every day, uh, and uh, and then on the fifth day, just an apple, and then the worm comes out and goes, "What? No Mars bar? You hit it." There we go. That's the. Uh, <laughs> That's a very that's a very condensed version. Reconstruct the joke from there. I couldn't be bothered to tell it properly, but wow. um, yeah, it's, it's extremely spe- uh, specific and applicable. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it's based on real science. So you know, this is that's that's how they used to do it back in the day. But I guess now neurosurgeons have more f- finesse, yeah, more sure. fine techniques. Huh. Wow. Sure. The, it's weird the, because until very recently, I think you would expect to just always you could always find a worm, you know. Like yeah. un- until like maybe uh, I don't know 150 years ago that was always probably an option in a wound. <laughs> oh yeah, that it might be a worm. Yeah, so there could be a worm in there. Yeah, yeah, and that and that was also just a fairly safe bet if you're a doctor. Just go like, yeah, he's got worms in the brain. Yeah, uh, right. Oh, like sure. worms yeah, it on the sound like a diagnosis <laughs> from like the uh, from like ancient Greece or whatever. You know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, we have to drain the worms from his brain. So. So, so they they go in there. Uh, it says a team at the hospital. They had to quickly come together to uncover what kind of roundworm it was. Most importantly, decide on any further treatment the patient might require. Yeah. So they they yeah they 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 looked it up in the textbooks. No luck. So they had to find outside expert help. It says uh, Canberra is a small place, so we sent the worm, which was still alive. Straight to the laboratory of a CSIRO scientist who is, well, I don't know what CSIRO is, but Canberra is the capital, so it's probably some sort of governmental, yeah, Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. Um, So, who is very experienced with parasites. Uh, He just looked at it and said, oh my god, uh, this is uh, Ophida cascaris robertsi. Which, you know, that's what you want from your expert. Yeah. You want him to instantly go like, oh my god, this is... And then something in Latin. It is a roundworm usually found in pythons. Uh, the, this Canberra patient is the first case of it being found in humans. The, the patient re- resides near a lake area inhabited by carpet pythons. Despite no direct sna- snake concert, uh, contact, 
She often collected native grasses, uh, including warigal uh, greens from around the lake to use in cooking. So, mm, she thinks... This is getting Dr. more and more made up. I, I don't mean the story, but I mean, like, her... Excuse? Her, her alibi? Yeah, her alibi, where she's like, oh, yes, I, I, yes, I collect the native grasses. Because it's like, if you have some novel medical condition where, like, you can only get it by, like, performing cunnilingus on a squirrel, you have to, like, think <laughs> yeah. really quick yeah. about, like, your excuse. Like, I collect acorns. <laughs> yeah, I cook with grass. I cook with grass a lot. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> So, so the me, hypothesis wait, quick, are you is accusing that accusing this sixty-five-year-old uh, Australian woman of fucking a snake is that what's going on? Well, I mean, like I think that is exactly what he's okay, accusing. Right. <laughs> well, I'm saying like somehow a snake shit in her ear. Yeah. Somehow, and she had to like think quick, and she's just had brain surgery. So I'm just saying it seems thin to me, like as a. <laughs> I think that's a risk you take anytime you fall asleep in Australia. That a snake might shit in your ear. <laughs> Right, yeah. they say up to seven times a year while yeah. you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so these these doctors and scientists involved in the case, uh, the case, they hypothesized that the python may have shed the parasite via feces into the grass, and the patient was probably infected with the parasite from touching the native grass and transferring the eggs to food or kitchen utensils, or after eating the greens, or from going down on the snake. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, Seniaki, who is also an infectious diseases expert based at the Australian National University, said the patient needed to be treated for other larvae that might have invaded other parts of her body, such as the liver. But given that no patient had ever been treated for the parasite before, care was taken. Some medications, for example, could trigger inflammation as the larvae died off. Inflammation can be harmful to organs such as the brain. So they also needed to administer medications to counteract any dangerous side effects. Uh, Man. So... Uh, he says uh, that poor patient she was so courageous and wonderful you don't want to be the first patient in the world with roundworm found in pythons uh, and we really take our hats off to her she's been wonderful I don't know if taking a hat off to someone who's got a brainworm is that is that that feels like mockery to me mm -hmm. the... wow you don't want uh, to be the first patient in the world with a roundworm found in pythons you know what though I, I was thinking it gives yeah. her just uh, terrific plausible deniability for like any shitty thing she's ever done. You know what I mean? That she could just, like... That now everybody knows, like, like oh, wow, what a unique... That this lady survived this. So, like, there's sort of a, a degree of empathy for her automatically. And so, like, anybody that she ever, like, said anything shitty to or fucked over, that she could just kind of blame the brain worm. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you, you I think know I had a worm in my brain. <laughs> so, I, oh, yeah, I yeah. I think it's weird that... Worm. I think it's weird that snakes can get worms because they're, like, too similar-looking. Are, you know, you're right. That is sort of like if we had yeah, like tiny little baby looking parasites, yeah. you know, they'd be like, that's that's fucking weird. Yeah. You know, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just they look, you know, they're long, they're long meat, meat tubes. Yeah. And it's like yeah, inside each other. It's weird. I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for that open mindedness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not to take the conversation in a different direction, but, but speaking of wild animal shit in Australia, are you aware that wombats shit? cubes you know that yeah, yeah yeah it's fascinating right it's so they don't roll downhill right yeah 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 so they just like build little like uh you know little sandcastles out of their turrets right outside their, yeah uh, their little structure anyway go on i just it's whatever a synapse fired in my worm-eaten brain no i i <laughs> learned that because i had to google i had to google why do i take cubic shits mm. then i just found out about, i never got an answer i just found out about wombats 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, go, going from go, going to a uh, let, let, moving things a little bit further away from Earth because just I can't remember whether it was the last episode or the one before that where we had just covered how Russia had Russia's space agency had tried and failed to land on the dark side of the moon. They had yep. crashed. Oh, they did. And oh. in the last episode, we said that India was also trying a mission that was a couple of days later. Uh, India, you have spanked the Russians. <laughs> it, this is since we last recorded. India now has a rover on the moon that is roving around. Wow. It you, has been. What do you do when you're O for two in space races? Like how often it, does space races happen? Like when do you, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's not like there's a space race every year. Like you've lost you've lost one hundred percent of the space races. Well, they they won the first space race. They got into space first. And oh, then, yeah, 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 okay. But maybe that was beginner's luck, because they then... <laughs> they killed a bunch of dogs and monkeys and stuff up there, too. Like, they, they, they launched did. all oh, kinds yeah. of weird yeah. shit up into space before we did. Yeah, I think they still have the record for most dogs killed in space. <laughs> yeah. Of any of the countries. It's going to be tough to beat, though. No, I don't know. Until, I don't until, know. Until Me- Michael Vick gets his pilot's license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buzz, Buzz Aldrin did take up that litter of puppies yeah. and flipped the fuck out. But I, <laughs> he punched it, yeah, because the puppy accused him of not landing on the moon. <laughs> right. So he punched it. To death. No, he's a notorious cranky man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, actually on the the new show that Jesse writes for. They pranked Buzz Aldrin with some puppies yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> he flipped the fuck out. Yeah. Just watched him leather them one by one after the next. Yeah. <laughs> it got pretty dark. Got pretty dark when we were filming. Um. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Buzz Aldrin fan because I'm a history dork, you know? And, and he did. He came. He got booked to do. I was writing for the Guy's Choice Awards. Remember those? They were on Spike TV back in like the 2012s, you know, somewhere around there. And uh-huh. It was like this absurd fake award show where they would like book like, you know, cool guys and then reverse engineer a an award for them, you know? So they were going right. to give Buzz Aldrin some kind of award. And then... He wins the space category. Or... Yeah, exactly. Something like that. But then, this was, this was so infuriating to me. They then in the same year booked... Felix Baumgartner. Do you know who that guy is? He's the dude. Oh, he's the he's the uh, balloon yeah, right. air, uh, jump the guy jumper out guy, guy, right? Balloon in the stratosphere, right? And yeah. they decided the fucking indignity of this to then have Buzz Aldrin present an award to that fucking guy, right? And so they were going to call it the Next Great Leap Award. And I like have never shouted as loudly as I did in that writers' room. I was like, it's not. It's not the next great leap. You like Buzz Aldrin is the reason you fucking people don't speak Russian. Do you understand the difference? Like this guy <laughs> fell out of a balloon. It's different. You understand like how it's very different what Buzz Aldrin did and this guy did, but they they did it anyway. And I like so I I talked to Buzz Aldrin beforehand, and I was like, listen, Colonel Aldrin, this is I'm sorry, it, I'm insulted by this. I don't know if you are, but I they, so you go <laughs> ahead and say whatever you like at the time on the taping, just for the rehearsal. Read what's in the script, but then when it comes to showtime, just do whatever you want. So he went out, and it said, like, you know, uh, you know, like, so here he comes, the ne- the man who took the next great leap f- for mankind, right? It was just so fucking insulting. And so then, uh-huh. what, at the time of the show, he goes, the guy who took the next great leap for Red Bull, here he is. You know, like, and I was, like, really happy <laughs> that he was, like, yeah. this, you know, he's a notoriously cranky man, and I'm sure he was insulted by that. He, you know? 
So anyway, he is my favorite thing about Felix Baumgarter is he his record got beaten like almost immediately yeah. afterwards by just some guy who works at, in tech. He's just like uh, some on, some guy at... for Monster Energy Drink. Right, exactly. he's kicked his ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it's, turns his, out this guy Alan Eustace, who was a guy who he was just like a senior vice president of engineering at Google. And he was. I can was, fall. Like, in his, I yeah, can fall higher. Fall from higher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was in his late fifties. Yeah, and he was just like he just did that. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Buzz Aldrin. Uh, Buzz was a dick to me, and it was it was fantastic once. Oh great! Uh, I love I, these stories. I'm sure. I'm sure I've told. I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before. But I did. I got uh, when the Nerdist had a TV show on BBC America. Uh, Chris Hardwick's uh, yeah. podcast they had a, a TV show and they had guest comedians on and I got booked to do a set on an episode that happened to also have Buzz Aldrin on it he was the oh, wow. main guest so I, I sort of we were meant to be in very different separate dressing rooms but I sort of just engineered it so that I was standing in a place that he had to walk past when he was coming off from uh-huh. his segment uh, I just sort of like sort of stood his way I just like, so I could shake his hand and say like it's a pleasure to meet you Mr. Uh, Mr. Aldrin whatever I, I'm, I'm, I'm the comedian on the show and he just went you're the comedian and walked off so i was like oh perfect that's exactly oh, <laughs> that's what i want from buzz aldrin yeah I wa- that's great I, I touched the hands of someone who touched the moon yeah and and he and he sli- and he was a bit of a dick to me it was great oh yeah was- no i was too intimidated i really desperately like i'm not like somebody because i'm around whatever in stupid show business like you know real famous people whatever yeah like i'm never like starstrucky or like i don't get pictures with people like but uh i desperately wanted a picture with buzz aldrin and I was too intimidated to ask him because he seemed so cranky. And uh, so yeah. I like kind of snuck a few selfies when he wasn't looking, like where he's next to me. And then I stole his coffee mug because I like Brilliant. wanted something to have. And so I have it. And it to, was and I've never watched. So I can li- I have Buzz Aldrin's DNA. I can like frame him for murder if I wanted to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or, or clone him. Or whatever. Yeah, or clone yeah. Him. yeah um, exactly. So but anyway. Yeah. No, but I have the same. Yeah, time it's, it's exactly that. I, I feel similar. It was I think it is the. F- the most starstruck I've been by quite yeah. some distance, and again, again, like in this industry, you will sometimes, and you even more so because you've worked on a, a a daily late night show where you know presidents come through and stuff, yeah. and you know big movie stars will be coming onto the show to promote their stuff. But yeah, yeah, none of them have touched the moon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I did a bit with The Rock, and I was like, <laughs> all right, cool, that was neat, you know. But whatever. But like Buzz Aldrin, I like really wanted to get a picture with him and i was like too afraid to ask him what if you what if you took a picture with him and it like uh you noticed like the shadows were off like on his body and stuff (laughs) and you're just like you became a buzz Aldrin photo (laughs) truth like you're like that's just like what he's like like oh his shadows are weird <laughs> you don't believe your own. You took that photo, <laughs> Jesse. You took the photo yourself. Yeah. You were in that room. Yeah, I don't nah, know. That's, where did seems, this le- seems like Kubrick. That's right. Where did this Where did this letter come from? Uh, that's addressed to me. How does it? <laughs> that's very fun. I like that. No, the lighting in the Kimmel Hall does not match Buzz Aldrin's uh, shadow. Um, yeah. That's pretty fun to take it to the level where people start online denying that Buzz Aldrin did Kimmel. <laughs> That's not that accomplishment, you know. Like so, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. He did the guy's choice awards after all, so I mean, you know, you think, yeah. But anyway, so so the the lesson from that as well is that it is possible to book Buzz Aldrin by making up an award. Like if you if you make up a well an impressive enough sounding award, you can get Buzz Aldrin to 
visit you. Well, I think the secret to and, that thing was they just threw a, an absurd amount of money at everybody to get them to do it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, they, I don't think it was the prestige of the guy's choice awards. Like, but, uh, because <laughs> the I guy's choice award. Another, he, he throws all of his NASA medals off yeah, the mantle yeah, 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 when he gets the letter. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, guy's so, choice award's yeah, called. Uh-huh. Right. Um, they, uh, I bet this is kind of a fun story about uh, an old famous man at the at the uh, guy's choice awards too. I met uh, Burt Reynolds and like I, whatever. I, I wasn't like a. I'm too young to have been a huge Burt Reynolds fan or anything. But like you know, I respect him. You know, whatever. He's a so. It's also it's Burt Reynolds. It's, Burt it's like Reynolds. almost a cartoon character of a human now. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I. Uh, but so he gets some award like you know like swinging dick of the century or like mustache of the year, or whatever the fuck. I don't know some <laughs> dumb thing that we invented. Um, but uh, but so they showed this like sizzle reel package, and it was like you can't not be like what a fucking cool guy. You know what I mean? Like you watch the sizzle reel package, and it's like him like sliding over the hood of a muscle car and firing a flaming arrow at something. You know what I mean? It's just it was like. It was really well put together and, like, really, like, you know, made to kind of push your buttons and, like, in this very cool... It was a perfect sizzle reel. And, like, he gets the award, he comes off stage, and everybody's like, fuck, yeah, it's Burt Reynolds, you know what I mean? But by that time, he was, like, sick and old and, like, kind of had that, like, sort of sunken skeleton face, you know what I mean? Like, that you saw, like, old, uh-huh. old Burt Reynolds, you know? And, um, and like, he just kind of has, like, a handler who's, like, shuffling him off. But, like, I was all like, yeah, it's Burt Reynolds, hell yeah, man! And I, like put her there Bert and I shook his hand and I like crunched the bones in his hand you know what I mean? like, <laughs> like have you ever like shaken an old man's hand too hard and you like notice right away that it was like ah that was way too hard because he went like Ugh, like he made a noise <laughs> oh, man. I, like squeezed his like brittle old hands like a like crushing a bird like I, just, I felt really bad right. about it but anyway. yeah so yeah, that's yeah, two, two, two weeks later. Year. Burt Reynolds dies of hand infection, <laughs> and you have to like, not, <laughs> not tell anybody. Uh, Comedy writer Jesse Joyce of Mice and Men's Burt Reynolds. Right. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin punches Burt Reynolds. At <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so so the the this lander, it's unmanned. You say. Yeah, so it is a it's, it is I don't an know how to segue lander. back to a Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. Am I am I am not No, no, this is what to. we always do. Okay. I just right. I didn't know how to No, that is very much that that is the show. The show, the show is the very show. much taken. Okay, great, great. But cool. um uh but this the Vikram lander uh successfully touched down as planned on, uh, last Wednesday evening. With this, India joins an elite club of countries to achieve a soft landing on the moon after the US, the former Soviet Union and China. This is according to this BBC article. Uh, I guess there is Soft landing is quite is quite key there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 26 kilogram rover called uh, Pragyan, which is the Sanskrit word for wisdom, was carried to the moon in the Vikram lander belly. After the dust raised by last evening's landing has settled, panels on one side of Vikram open to deploy a ramp to enable uh, Pragyan to slide down to the lunar surface. It'll roam around looking uh, the rocks and craters, gathering crucial data and images to be sent back to the Earth for analysis. So this is like, I think this is the first landing on the dark side of the moon, which is yeah. um, relatively unknown and may have things like water or remnants of water. Uh, what They want to find out what minerals are present, study the chemical composition. It'll only communicate with the lander, uh, and then the lander will send the information to the orbiter, uh, from uh, Chan- Chandrayaan 2, which is still circling the moon, deposits it onto the Earth for analysis. So it's kind of tag-teaming the info. 
The Indian Space Research Organization, ISRO, has said that the rover will move at a speed of one centimeter a second. With each step, it'll also leave on the moon's surface the imprint of ISRO's logo and emblem embossed on its six wheels. Uh, so the landing coincides with the start of lunar day. A day on the moon equals a little over four weeks on Earth, which will mean that lander and rover will have 14 days of sunlight to charge their batteries. I was just going to ask uh, that. One, okay, never Yeah, Great, cool. Because I was like, yeah, it's on so the I guess it's starting on the no- stay powered up. Okay. So I guess it's starting on the not dark side and moving in there, or is the dark side not always dark? Um, I thought that's the point of the dark uh, side of the moon. It's always dark. Yeah. So once night falls, it, they will discharge and stop working. It's not yet clear whether they will come back to life when the next lunar day starts. Um, and it's hunting this. It's looking for important minerals, but one of the major goals is to hunt for water. Scientists say the huge craters in the South Pole region, which are permanently in shadow, hold ice, which could support human habitation on the moon in future. <laughs> and it could also be used for studying propellant for spacecraft heading to Mars and other distant destinations. So I guess the moon would be a refueling station yeah. if this works. Now, this this is um, completely unrelated, but it's popped up in the other ads off the BBC, the other articles off to the side. Go, go on. But we've talked about this before. Uh, Magnus Carlsen and Hans Niemann have settled their dispute. Uh you remember the the whole thing where um, Magnus Carlsen, the the best chess player of all time, accused this guy of cheating, and people thought it was with vibrating uh, anal beads. Yes, I do remember this story. And also, yeah. by the way, I, I do I vaguely I'm pretty sure that the vibrating anal beads was a later invention that was then boosted by Elon Musk retweeting it. Uh, and at no point that did sucks. at no point did Magnus Carlsen say, "Yeah, he's definitely got a definitely got a remote control." Well, how would he? How would he though? How would he cheat? How would he? I I, I mean, did did anyone even figure out how that's even possible? If he's what, how he, how you would beads? use a vibrating but. No, no, I mean, how would you, if you're playing a chess game against somebody in person? Well, so uh, the, the idea, I believe, is that... You have to be fed moves from someone with a computer. Yeah, so you, you would have someone, uh, a co-conspirator, right. who's But how do they get the you that information, is my point. So, so like they're watching the game, code. and they're analyzing it probably with computer help. Right. And then you would have some kind of codes... This is where the anal beads came in, though. Because, like, you can't exactly Morse code with anal beads, you know? Right. You can't have your phone with you and shit. (laughs) So that's, I think that's where someone's like, it's got to be anal beads, right? You know. Um, But uh, Magnus Carlson has accepted that this guy did not cheat, Hmm. and uh, I guess he's some. I I mean, I don't know because they settled. They settled the lawsuit. He still does not believe he lost the 2020 election. (laughs) Right, right. Uses to concede that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so it turns out the guy just the the beads were just up there just for pleasure. So, Mm. (laughs) these these help me concentrate. (laughs) They help me concentrate. (laughs) Anyway, a little follow up to a previous little story we did. I didn't mean to go off the rails. I just uh, that was in the sidebar. It's fine. All right. That's good. Uh, well, I, I saw in the sidebar as well a question, uh, an article in the BBC that says, how long before a robot can do your dishes? Um, what? What? We've, a, we've had dishwashers. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right. They're doing <laughs> the dishes. What do you mean? I got them doing the dishes right now. It's, it's Yeah. Yeah, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're robot vacuum cleaners. This seems like an out-of-date question. I think, I, I think they're thinking... A robot that wears like a butler 
outfit like the one and... from the Jetsons like that like yeah exactly yeah, oh. yeah but that that makes or no maybe sense this That's... is like a ghost comment from like 1951 and like you know <laughs> like we've been every... somewhere time warp so but every time we imagine that stuff it doesn't work it's like like a like a car you could argue great invention that's a carriage that you don't need a horse for but this is like like inventing a robot horse to pull your carriage is like way more difficult yeah and makes no fucking sense yeah so like a dishwasher is perfect but inventing like a human robot to wash dishes is a nightmare yeah but like if the if the goal is to wash dishes we did it does that make sense <laughs> or is that w- way too thin of a comparison I just, I, uh, I think the only explanation is what I said, you know, that movie frequency, remember that movie with crazy Jim Caviezel and, uh, and, uh, uh, Dennis Quaid, you know, where like he's a ham radio enthusiast and through some weird sunspot, he's able to like talk to his long dead dad and they like solve his mom's murder together. It's an interesting, yeah. So like his dad was a ham radio enthusiast and so is he now 30 years later and he's a cop and his dad was a fireman. But his dad was killed in a fire a long time ago. And then uh, but then through some weird thing in space, like some time warp thing or what, suddenly they are communicating with each other in real time, like through like we're able to talk to each other on a ham radio. And the dad gives the son information to help solve the murder or whatever. It's a great movie. It's sadly before Jim Caviezel became a psychopath. But um, but I, I always enjoyed it. But anyway, I think that's the only explanation for this comment. I think there is someone who is somehow listening to us from like 1952 <laughs> and he's just commenting yeah. just like hey when do you think that uh you know whatever they'll integrate colleges <laughs> you know so, oh yeah so, that's well, a, you have a lot to catch up on sir so that's the plot to that movie you explained is sounds like so like my dad is always pitching me screenplays as if i as if there's anything i could ever do uh-huh. to you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's because I I tell <laughs> jokes to strangers. Like I can call the president of show business and get my yeah, dad's movie. Sure. Right, right. Uh, and and all the ideas are like that because my dad is just like his favorite movie is Terminator Two. Okay. You know what I'm so saying? Like all he's time just travelly specifically, or like have some element of. They're all time travelly. They all okay. involve a cop that has demons. They're oh, all okay. like this. This sounds like a movie that would like piss him off because he'd be like, "I wrote that first. Yeah. <laughs> like if I told him about frequency, <laughs> it's it's actually I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's corny, but it's like I like that movie, so it's it's, it's cool. yeah, whatever. Anyway, it's a good system. I gotta check that out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, send send your dad some of my uh, send me some of your dad's screenplays. You know what I mean? Let's see what I could do. So. No, he doesn't like. <laughs> Okay. Let's see what we can do. See what we can do. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all like heist, like biker heist movies. Yeah. It's just. There's never been a better time, by the way, for your dad to get a movie sold he, if he wants, if he's okay with being a scab. <laughs> like, no. Like, no, nah, he's not. To, no, nah, he's to not going to. movie right now. So he can he's not going to scab it. Okay. He just. Uh, my dad, like, watches. So my, my mom goes to bed way before him, right? So then my dad has, like, five hours to kill. So he just watches. I got the Moroku, and he doesn't really know how to search for things. He uh-huh. just, like, he thinks it's like the radio. Like, this is the movie that's on right now. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he doesn't understand that his algorithm is getting worse and worse based oh. on the last shitty movie. <laughs> so, so like, he just clicks the next thing. Like, that's what that's what Netflix is playing. Like, it's a channel. Like, my, my dad's, yeah. like, almost 80. And uh, so every day he watches two of the worst films ever made. <laughs> and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, like every night. That's great. And 
Yeah, I mean, he's all the way down to like, you know, the um, like Bulgarian ripoff of like B movie, like of <laughs> Tremors. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 something like that. You I know, feel like, like there he's were on a lot of Eastern European Takens that were made, things like that. Absolutely, yeah. uh-huh. absolutely. I, I also love the idea. Of, you know, just that sort of. Here's the movie. You, you can do the rest of the stuff. To oh make yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That happens. Uh, right, it's, yeah, it's a guy who has a gun that controls clouds. Go. God, yeah, make like, that, okay. Yeah. Well, that's there's a lot of work that now needs to come off. You know what? Yeah, I'm make, so angry. That, that happen. used to be a job. Like in in like old like the golden age of Hollywood or whatever, there were like idea men, and that was like their fucking job was to just yeah, like and then it would just go to the writers' like, pool. With- I don't know what if uh, I don't know some ham radio thing. Like go with that, you know? What a <laughs> right, fucking right. awesome job yeah. that would be. You don't then have to like then- do the drudgery of writing it. Like, oh man, I wish that job still existed. Yeah, then they'd, they'd just be like six guys with waif like waxen skin like white skin just in a room with typewriters and cigarettes yeah. who'd have to actually make it happen uh-huh. uh that i th- think science it's, a, will- it's a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream and it's these cops <laughs> they got to go in there just do it yeah <laughs> like the ideas we, we, are insane but <laughs> we've spoken to a bunch of scientists who are on the show who have very similar stories from their side of things where people will send in their science oh interesting like their layman science, will pitch them their science, science theories and be like yeah this is here's what a you know a black hole is this and that and this is what an atom is really made oh, of wow. uh, but yeah I, you you do the you can do the equations so just do you do the equations with it it's like yeah that's the equations is kind of the bit that's kind of the that's kind of the difficult part of the job yeah <laughs> well my my so like my my dad also uh will come up with i like he comes up with ideas but making it work is the work like their idea. Like exactly. he'll, he'll be like, there should be a thing where you could step on a pad and go to another pad. That's anywhere in the world. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like teleportation. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like run with that, you know, do something with that. Wow. Like, like talk yeah. to some people. And I'm like, I think we've been trying that forever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That would, yes, that would be cool. <laughs> Please let me know if you figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. One place we're going to try to go, though, is uh, Mars, right? Yeah. You want to so, pop, pop uh, one more in before the uh, yeah, Patreon, of which, story of then, which everyone uh, yeah. should subscribe because it's way cooler. It's when we all take our pants off and, you know, things, yeah. things get crazy. Did, what are you talking For a last story. Did I, our, what, 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 what did I just miss about taking our pants oh, off? Oh, sorry if you already had your pants off. Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, our pants are already off. <laughs> okay. For the Patreon bonus. Oh, oh but, okay, right. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, Ju- Justin sent in this story from a... Uh, it's for in IFL science, uh, which again, if anyone, if anyone can tell us what the IFL stands for, we we really would love Still to know. Still can't but, figure um, it out. We don't do acronyms cannot here. Cannot crack that code. But anyway, IFL science, the website. The International um, Football League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. But some of the stories aren't football specific, so I don't know. Um, it, so they've run a, a study has run simulations of colonies on Mars to determine the ideal number of Martian residents needed for such a settlement, and also finding that certain personality types should. Clear steer, uh, so clear, clear steer. Or also steer clear of such a mission. Uh, should humans ever decide to create a permanent outpost on another planet? So this links nicely from our moon story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it says, and remember, humans have been living continuously in space since t- the year two thousand, uh, but we will face a lot of unknowns. So new research published on the, this is on a preprint server, so it's not yet peer reviewed. Mm-hmm. 
so let's not get too excited, but it attempts to limit some of those unknowns, running <laughs> multiple 28-year simulations to determine what size of colony created the best chance of survival. So previous studies have tried to answer the question. In 2020, one determined that 110 was the number of people needed to f- uh, fulfill all duties necessary for their survival. Um without exceeding the work capacity of the colonists. So inspired by that paper, this new team made slightly different assumptions about life on the Red Planet, including that the colony had already been constructed and food, air, and water could be produced locally and power was being generated on the planet too. So there's a lot of assumptions. So one major difference they modeled is that the colony would receive regular supplies from Earth, assuming it would be more cost-effective to send resupplies than it is to send humans to expand the size of the colony. Uh, So this... Uh, agent simulation essentially assigns attributes to agents the article says think setting up your characters in the sims and then simulates working days for the colonists as well as interactions with other teammates Uh, each agent is granted skills associated with their civilian and military occupational specialities uh, consistent with NASA's human factors and behavioral performance element research uh, which analyze the abilities the uh, that are generalizable across circumstances and crew roles and those that will be required by all crew members during a 30-month expedition to Mars. This is what the paper said. The team also tried to factor personality into their agent simulation, giving them these different personality types. So here are the types. Agreeables, who are low on competitiveness and aggression. Socials, who are extroverted and need social interaction. Reactives, who have a competitive interpersonal orientation and are fixated on uh, stringent routines. Axe murderers, uh, who are... I made that one up. I just threw that one in. Yeah, a little Uh, fun. A little fun for you. little fun. little fun. The last one is neurotics, who are highly competitive and aggressive and are unable to cope with boredom and change to routine. Each agent had a life bar that could deplete, killing them. Resupplies of new Martians with their own personalities would happen periodically to fill those dead space shoes. The simulations were run for 28 years and with different numbers of people starting the colonies, ranging from 10 to 170. They found the lowest number necessary to, uh, to sustain a colony was 22, which was a lot lower than the previous study, which had not assumed regular resupply missions. But what they weren't expecting was the death rate among neurotics. Uh, the primary observed emergent uh, phenomenon occurs in the decline of the Martian population, the team wrote. While the members of the settlement have an equal probability of being affected by lack of settlement re- resources, habitat accidents, or earth shipping disasters, Martians with their... Martians with the neurotic psychology die at a much higher rate than other psychologies. Once their population reaches a low enough level, the settlement population stabilizes. Um, so just like Earth, it's just the same as Earth. Yeah. But maybe slightly amplified. I'll never get over them calling them Martians as well. It just feels weird yeah, every time. It's just that. Yeah, feel, when do you... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just feel like you don't need this computer bullshit. You just, just like look at successful cities that started in inhospitable conditions like that. Like Phoenix. Like, like just right. go to the Chamber of Commerce, like to the, you know, whatever, archives of the city of Phoenix the city hall and like find out who started it you know what i mean and like or like some city in patagonia in argentina that like which is like an inhospitable dry cold shithole and like i don't know see who started that like just get those guys you know what i mean yeah like, but what like if that. mars like what if it's like a mormon thing like where where it's not nasa but it's one of these sort of like billionaires sends people up and it just becomes a cult like there's or whatever like there's nothing we can do about it you can't go stop that 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then there's just a planet is like a new, you know, like just a new sort of weird religion forms on this planet. It's just there. Um, you know, these are things I would ask Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a lot Good of questions. Luck. Can I can I get a picture? Got a lot of questions. Good luck. A lot of questions. He is. He, he is. He is very much. He's all about colonizing Mars as well. He's all about the next step. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, right. He's if very, there is he, a that, real next step, yeah, sure. I'm sure he would be. He's a man of uh, science. I still think the next step is uh, jumping out of a balloon. How dare you? It is and having having just equipment do most of the work. They just fall out of balloon. Like that's not a skill. Like I mean, it's a skill, but it's not. It doesn't take humanity to the next level the way that the uh, producers of the Guys Choice Awards believe that it did. So <laughs> anyway, right. Um, um, but that is fascinating. Jesse. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, before we wrap up the main episode and do an extra story for the uh, bonus, mm-hmm. where can our listeners, once again, where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Where can they find everything else you do? Uh, you can find me at Twitter, Jesse, or whatever the fuck it's called, at, at, uh, Jesse jo- at Jesse Joyce, J-E-S-S-E-J-O-Y-C-E, uh, or Instagram, Jesse Joyce one because there's some other goof that got it. And um, Or you could uh, uh, yeah, yeah, find the book, uh, try.scribd. Uh, wait, let me just double check. Try.scribd.com slash Jesse Joyce. J-E-S-S-E-J-O-Y-C-E. The book is called Killing the Guys Who Killed the Guy Who Killed Lincoln. A nutty story about Edwin Booth and Boston Corbett. So, anyway. Yeah. That's how you can get to me. Yes, and it's an absolutely uh, fascinating read. Um, Gilbert Godfrey does the audiobook. <laughs> and, I, did, uh, I did the audiobook. Which no, is I figured. That's so awesome. to do. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done an audio yeah. book, but I expect it since I'm a professional uh, comedian and have done a lot of public speaking that it would be the easier part of the two things, but it was not. Like, the writing the book was fun. The audiobook is very hard to do. Like, you, it makes you, you question whether or not you're actually literate, even though you wrote a book. Because it's impossible <laughs> to read a book into a microphone. It's fucking impossible. Anyway, but whatever. It's, um, it's positively reviewed, so it seems like it worked. It's yeah. Uh, I, I I I maybe I'll do the maybe I'll try the audiobook, but I'm already I'm already enjoying just reading and the voice in my head, Thank which you. can read switch can back read switch back better. and forth switch go <laughs> chapter by chapter switch back and forth. Um, you you can find us always probablyscience.com on uh, Twitter at probablyscience individually at Jesse Case uh, at Andy T Wood well when he gets back and at Matt Kirshen. And probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. Uh, probablyscience.com is also where you go if you want to, the links, the direct links to any of the stories we cover. We'll also put them in the show notes and our Patreon and PayPal donation buttons. Uh, so thank you very much, everyone who helps keep the show going like that. And also everyone who says nice things about us online and tells the friends about our show. We really appreciate you. Jesse, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, we will see you next time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That was fun. Thank you.